that I, I intended, I, have, I had every intention of making a PowerPoint uh, just for illustration purposes so that it is easy for people to follow. But there are just not enough hours in any one day to do everything. But we'll do our best to be simple um, and hof hopefully you will be able to follow the things that we're going to talk about. You all know what the subjects that I'll be tackling in the next coming weeks, months, God willing. We are going to look at the kings of Israel. Some of it will be historical, just historical facts. It is good to know some of these things, some of these things in a factual way. Uh, the, the Old Testament is a very big book. And there's quite a lot, there's quite a lot that is jam-packed in there. But in them, there is the voice of God always speaking to us, even as New Testament believers. There is so much that we're going to uh, learn as we go through uh, uh, these uh, kings of Israel. You'll be glad to know that it is not my intention to go through all the kings of Israel. It will take us all eternity <laughs> to go through all of them. Uh, but we'll just pick on a couple of them and just see, take some lessons um, from their experiences so that we too will be helped as New Testament believers. Uh, my first portion perhaps will be to read uh, from Exodus uh, chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, and reading uh, from verse 3 of Exodus. I'm just going to read from my Bible. If you want, you can follow from yours, or you can just listen to me. <clears throat> Exodus 19, verse 3. And Moses went up unto God, and God called, called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure. You shall be a peculiar treasure unto me before all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And then we're going to skip a little bit uh, to First Samuel and chapter 8. First Samuel chapter 8. And we'll read from verse 4. 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. 
Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and saved other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore, hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. We trust that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. Matthew, at the end of uh, first chapter of Matthew, Matthew divides uh, basically the story, the life of Israel into uh, three parts. Um, he puts the beginning of the life of Israel, so to speak, in Abraham, from Abraham and up to King David and calls it 14 generations. And then from King David up to uh, exile is another 14 generations. And then from exile up to the coming of the Lord, another 14 generations. So it divides basically the, 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 the entire existence of the life of Israel as identified as people of God from Abraham into those three main parts. And it's, it, 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 the beginning of Abraham really is about 2,000 years after creation. So the whole first 2,000 years of time they're all crammed into first 11 uh, chapters of the Bible. So God dedicates quite a substantial time after that. And because he is now, he is communicating to us what he has been doing as he picks his people, he resumes to pick a particular man through whom he is going to channel his will on earth to bring about the coming of the Lord. So of those three segments, it is really the middle segments, which is the key. This is where PowerPoint would have helped here. This is really the middle part of those three parts that are divided by Matthew, that we have the reign of kings that we will be looking, we'll be looking at. So this is really about 1,000 years B.C., really that this, this uh, life of, of kings uh, actually takes place. Now, if we notice uh, from the passages that we've just read there in Exodus uh, chapter 19, we see here as God picks up Abraham 
to bring about his descendants of Israel what God's intention and plan was. And God tells Moses to tell his people, to tell even us today, what God's intention was as he picked up on Abraham. What God's intention was as he chose people unto himself. And we learn from there that God chose his people to be a peculiar people, to be different. That was God's intention. God's intention of his people have always and will always be that we are different. John, Brother John was teaching about not being in the world. What do we do? We're going through Second, second uh, um, uh, Corinthians and about being separate from the world. Because that has always been the character of God. That has always been God's plan about his people. So as he picked Israel, God's intention and God's plan was to take people from the world, make them different from the world, so that they belong to God and God only. And not only that, God had even bigger and greater plans for them. It's not like God wanted to put them in a monastery and so that he can just cocoon them in a, mon in a monastery. No, God wanted to make them a people that would be a people of priesthood. Why? Because God's plan is going to unfold unto the rest of the world. And Israel had been chosen by God to be separate from the world, be a vehicle through which God is going to channel his blessings to the rest of humanity. So that was the plan of God. And he reminds Moses and says, look, you see what I have done to the Egyptians. I carried you like, a, like, like an eagle on my wings. God conveys his character, his passion, and his love and care towards his people. God is not a tyrant God. God's very plans for his people are always good. Our plans to look at them, God protects his people. God provides for his people. God was going to look after his people. And he did look after his people. But as we notice here in, the, in Joshua, what we find in Joshua is that we find the people of Israel rejecting the rule of God. Now, Israel is now in the land of Canaan, and he looks around himself, and he sees nations that are around himself. And they like what they see in the nations that are around them. And they say, we want to be like you. We want to be like them. Completely contrary, completely opposite. God has said to them, I want you to be different from the rest of the people. But Israel said, no, we want to be like them. 
God forbid that we as New Testament believers in a congregation such as this, that we look around ourselves and say we want to be like the world, like what is outside. God forbid that we would look outside and see things that we like. I'm not saying everything that is outside in the world is, is bad. We drive cars and things that they come from the world. That's, that's what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about in terms of our values, where we take our lessons, where we take our cues from, where we form our characters from, from God forbid that we look outside and see outside and think to ourselves, hmm, this is fantastic. This will be good for me. Contrary to what is in scripture. And as, 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 as you read through chapter 8 uh, of 1 of, of, of Samuel, you see here the voice of God saying to Samuel, they have rejected me to reign over them. Does that sound familiar? We will not have this to reign over us. We can, you can see the pictures, and as we go through these kings, we're going to see these things coming again and again. Men desiring things that are completely opposite and contrary to God, and even setting themselves against the very things that God had declared. And as you read in some in some in first Samuel chapter eight, as I was reading it myself, I don't know if it's a real feeling or if it's a valid feeling to feel sorry for God. You can almost you can almost see I don't know whether it's a it's a right way to put this across. You know, the tears in the eyes of God about his people. And what we notice as well, we will learn, as what we learn here quickly, is that God permits something. Not because that's what God intended for those people, but God allowed, gave them what they asked for. There are many things that scripture or that God does not allow us to do. It's not because he is trying to take away or to deprive us of good things. God knew why he wanted to protect Israel from being like the rest of the nations. God knew why Israel did not need a king because he knew that only him is a good king who would always look out for the best that is for them. Remember the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, he has no need. He doesn't need protection. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need wealth. 
He owns the whole gold that is in the universe. They tell me there is a comet with, that, has got, that is just made of diamond. That is like thousands and thousands or maybe millions of miles away. God owns all those things. He doesn't need anything. But an earthly king will need those things. And he will not work. He will get them off you. He will take your women. He will take your men. He will take your land. He will take your cattle. He will take, he will take, he will take, he will take. But what did God do for Israel? He gave and gave and gave. And what has God done for the world? He has given even his only son. Because that's the good God of the Bible. And that's the God that has good plans for his people. So now, as we are going to, we're not going to talk about any kings today, but we're just going to make an introduction. We will learn that um, there is basically um, 43 kings, if my counting is correctly, in the history of Israel. I'm not talking about prime ministers here. I'm talking up to the point of exile. So there are 43 kings that are, that are enumerated in Israel. The first four kings, they reign over united Israel, if you want to call it. So there is Saul, the first king, and then there is David, and then there is a, a Mesh, is it? Yeah, and yeah, there's, there's Isbosheth, and then there is David, and then there is Solomon. So that's four. So those first four, they reign over uh, united Israel. Isbosheth just reigns for a brief moment whilst, whilst David was coming back into Israel, and David is in, is in Judah for, a, for, I think, seven days or seven years or something like that. And then Isbosheth reigns a little bit. He's the son of Saul. And then after that, David reigns over the whole United, united Israel. And then after that, it's Solomon. So there's those four kings that reign over United Israel. After that, Israel splits into two. Basically, there is those who followed David who followed the David side on Judah, which is the southern part of Israel. And then there is those who follow the northern tribes, the rest, the, the rest of the ten tribes who are on the northern part of Israel. And the interesting part is that of all those that were in the northern part, the ten tribes of Israel, there is not a single good king. You may correct me. Jehu is sort of like the middle one was kind of like okayish. He's got some good things and some bad things. He starts, starts well and sort of like goes off straight later on. But there is nobody on the side of Israel, Israel kingdom who is really a good king. But on the side of, the, of Judah and, and Benjamin in southern part of, of Israel, there is six distinctly very good kings. And uh, there is two who are a mix. So they start very well, and then they kind of like don't end, end very well. And then the rest, they are just bad. Now, if you go back to First Samuel, they stood, I think Samuel 24, they stood before God. And in Joshua, sorry. And Joshua asked them, who are you going to follow? 
Me and my house, we are going to follow the Lord. And this is like about 1700 or so before Christ. They pledged to say, we are not going to follow anybody. We are going to follow God. But soon enough, we have 41 kings, only six good ones, maybe three wishy-washy, and then the rest, they are bad kings. It's very easy to forget the things of the Lord. We may say to ourselves, why would people who had the experience that they had with God would suddenly turn away? This should come as a warning to us. I'm not talking about here losing faith, but I'm talking about we can be so easily distracted. It is so easy to forget the goodness of God. As we go through these characters, you will see some of these characters, how it is that they started very well. And as time went by, they quickly forgot the good things that God had done for them, and they tend for the worse. Are we immune to that? I would urge ourselves, we are not. We can easily be lured away and we can easily find ourselves in very compromised situations if we put our guard down. So it is my hope that as we go through these kings, we are going to pick up some lessons, some important lessons uh, to the characters we're going to look at that we can apply to our lives and remind ourselves of the things that we have quickly forgotten about our God. And also, we will learn how God deals with his people. Because one of the things that are very important as a, as a, as a, as a Christian is to know the character of God. Because when you know the character of God, you know how to please him. You will know how you would displease him. I have come to learn that there are certain things that I can do for my wife and I'll get brownie points. And then there are things that I know that if I did for my wife, it's not going to be very good for me. Let's put it that way. Why? Because now I have come to know the character of my wife, I now know her more as I spend more time with her. So it is the same with God. God has a particular character. And God is a God who also delights in certain things. How can we delight our God? And so equally, he is also a God who, is, who can be displeased with certain things. How can we avoid those things that, that would displease God and put us in disfavor with him? Not that he is going to forsake us, but so that we would live our lives in a way that will constantly be in pursuit of pleasing God, avoiding the pitfalls that some of these kings fell into. 
It is my hope, therefore, that with that introduction, go and look for yourself, study yourself about the kings of Israel, and in the next coming weeks, we're going to look at them one by one and learn what God is saying to us today. It is only 1,000 years BC that Israel starts having a king. Israel entered Israel, entered Canaan about 14, 1450, thereabout BC. So they had been in, on the land for about almost 400, 500 years before the monarchy started. And then they were in, 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 in exile thereafter about 1,200. So there is quite a very small portion of Israel's life that they were in the land with a monarchy. And within that short lifespan, a lot happened in Israel. God dealt a lot with Israel during that time. That will be lessons for us to take home. We're now in 2023. We are 2000 after the coming of Christ. We have obviously lived more than Israel had experienced God in the land during God's dealings with Israel. We don't know how much longer we're going to be here before the Lord comes. But should he tarry, I think we owe it to ourselves to learn from those who had experiences with God so that we can derive for ourselves and for our lives. How can we live our best lives now? What is your best life now? Your best life now is that life that God will look at you and say, you are a peculiar person. Peter would echo the very same words that we read in Exodus that God was pronouncing to Israel. Peter would echo back to us in 1 Peter chapter 2, and he points them to us that we are the peculiar people. We are the people who are the priesthood. Now God's channels to bless the rest of the world is now with the church. Are we the channels of God's blessings? Are our lives ready to be channels of God's blessing? I hope as we go through this journey together, we are going to benefit so that we can prepare ourselves to live those lives that are pleasing to God. Let us pray. Father, we thank and bless you for all your goodness unto us. And we look up to you, O oh God, for all, O oh Lord, that we need so that we can live lives that we cannot live.